Hello again, everybody. This is Lance Russell with Championship Wrestling with another big week. Join us right now. Hey, welcome to the Double Dropkick Show. I am Heath Mulliken. And I am Mark Whitman. And this is the Wrestling Podcast. We talk about the wrestling you grew up with, the wrestling you need to watch now, and stuff. Today we're talking about a wrestling program you need to watch. Uh, by the time this episode released, probably all the episodes of this Viceland series, Dark Side of the Ring, are out. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think there's, how many episodes are they doing? I'm not sure. I heard it was four. Okay. Well, I may be wrong. Um. So far, at the day, as we're recording this, the killing of Bruiser Brody is out, and the Montreal Screwjob's out. And then, as I was searching and, for uh, the Macho Man and Elizabeth is out. Okay, I haven't watched that one. Yeah, okay. Um, and as I was searching for these, I found one they did on the CZW Tournament of Death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to. Uh, so the three I want to hit on is Bruiser Brody, Montreal Screwjob. And then tournament of death. I just want to talk about death tournaments. Um, you, anyone who has listened to two episodes of this show <laughs> uh-huh. knows you are a huge Bruiser Brody fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you, when we first started this show, I was not. I didn't get Bruiser Brody because I didn't. Get, I still don't get the business. But now you have helped me understand Bruiser Brody, and I just have a great appreciation for him now. Uh-huh. Um, what were your thoughts on? Um, what were your thoughts on the the episode, the killing of Bruiser Brody? I thought it was really well done. I thought it was, especially even if I mean, even when you know about it, yeah, like it was interesting to hear Abdullah's take on it because I've heard. Mm-hmm. You know, other people, other people talk about Abby's response to everything and kind of mm-hmm. how he handled it, and right to kind of still be a part of everything, even though they were friends, and mm-hmm. for him to still kind of stay there and work for that company, and and he was the one who told Barbara Goodish, yeah, in the airport. Um, I didn't know that they didn't really know one another. Really? She knew who he was, obviously, but he didn't really know who she was. And she yeah. walked up and told him it was interesting to get his take. And then um, even all these years later. See, I one of the first shoot interviews I saw was with Abdullah the Butcher. Because mm-hmm. that was what was interesting. Wow, Abdullah's Right. He can talk. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, he's not from Sudan. Yeah, he's not from Sudan. He's a, he's a Canadian man. Um, but when... Asked about Bruiser Brody in the interview that I saw, he pretty much said, "I'm we're not going to talk about that, and if you bring it up again, we're not going. We're kind of going to finish this interview up." Yeah, he didn't want to talk about it because he was still going down there, right? And just to you know, for I think Atlas says Atlas's story has never changed. Yeah, all the as many times I've heard him tell that same story, basically. Yeah. Dutch Mantel has told his his version. Yeah. Several times I've heard them, and their their version doesn't change. Um, but Abby to say like they had a wrestlers meeting, and Abdullah to say he wasn't there, but everybody yeah. else said that he was. Right, almost like he still doesn't want he didn't want to get killed himself. Almost, right, you know right, I mean? right. Uh, being a partner in that, and I, you know, 
he's always been a carny guy. Mm-hmm. There's always been that about him. And uh, he was the one that I found the most fascinating, his take on everything. Because really, that's the first time he'd really talked about it. Right. Um, and you still don't know what he knows and what he doesn't know coming out of it. But, you know, that's Abdul the Butcher, man. Right. He's he's going to look out for his best interest. It was fascinating to me. Couple couple of takeaways for me. It was fascinating to see Dutch Mantel, like, get choked up. Yeah. Talking about Brody's passing. Mm-hmm. And it was um, – Yeah, I mean, I the series. I mean, the series, so well done. I love the I, and I'm thinking from a, the cuts, uh-huh. the way they go back and forth between everybody. The um, reenactments are done really well. Yes, yes, um, yes. The way that the people that they have portraying them, you you, you know who it is. You yeah, know? the guy, you didn't see it, but the um, the Hogan and Macho Man mm-hmm. are the. Uh, macho man and elizabeth the guy that they had doing macho man his mannerisms right just like macho man so it was, wow. it was, they've done a good job with that um have you seen the bruiser brody documentary yet by elbow Doc- i still have not seen that i haven't seen, i need to watch it i just haven't got around to- it's on um it's on high spots now mm-hmm. um and i th- yeah, we'll we'll get it to you we'll figure it out uh but it's it's really great. I love the fact, you know, that that documentary, the the Bruce Road documentary, um I think it's an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And you got this one episode, it's 45 minutes just on his death. Right, just this one. And I thought they did a great I didn't know Gorilla Monsoon's interest in WWC. Uh, I I had never heard. I don't know how I did. I'd never heard that Brody was buying in mm-hmm. to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't that. know that they owed him that much money. Mm-hmm. Um, so many. Yeah, there's a lot to that story. We've talked about a lot of it, and they kind of touched on it. Went back to when um, they were in the WWWF, and mm-hmm. Brody was getting ready for his run with. Um, with Bruno that a lot of people have kind of forgotten history right. has sort of forgotten that it was Vince McMahon senior who named him Bruiser Brody. Yes. Um, and they went into that a little bit, I think. And then, um, basically they put Jose Gonzalez was kind of an underneath guy in the mm-hmm. WWF and putting them together to get Brody over and Brody just stiffing him and gobbling him up and yeah. guzzling him and not giving him anything and how that like, all these years later, that heat just just kind yeah. of staying between the two of them, and then you introduce that money, and and there's so much to that story where they, uh, you know, you hear those guys talk about the Puerto Rican wrestling fans who believed, yeah, um, obviously the police believed, right, and that was in the aftermath of that making Invader a, a big baby face on TV, yeah, and going into court and portraying Brody as who he was on TV. Right. This is what we were dealing with. Yeah. You know, we were dealing with this crazy guy. And I mean, right. so it wasn't hard. If you believed, it wasn't hard to believe that he might've attacked the invader right. and he was a bad guy. He was a mean, out of control guy. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, that that was, but that, 
has worked for a long time. And there's been several cases where I think uh, New Jack, when he carved up uh, mass transit, basically his defense was it's wrestling. It's not real. Right. You know, and it worked. Yeah. It worked. <laughs> oh, man. They played just the opposite of that. Right. Yeah. So let's go from. I uh, played the opposite of this is real. This is who this guy is to in America. It was it's wrestling. It's not real. Um, so we, you go from Puerto Rico doing everything they can to protect kayfabe. And let's go to the other episode that Vaisal put out on the Montreal Screwjob, mm-hmm. which is basically the death. Of and, the, and, and the huge irony and the revelation of the guy who is who still to this day carries the the kayfabe flag. Yeah, and Jim Cornette, who that was his finish. Yeah, you know, <laughs> as being the guy that actually suggested that, and the idea that Vince Russo came up with that is laughable. Right. If Vince Russo doesn't know enough about wrestling to know what a real double cross was, right? To know who what the Fall Guys was, he doesn't know any of that stuff. But it's like somebody, like everybody suggested yeah. double, double crossing. Right, right. You know, I mean, obviously everybody thought that. Everybody made that suggestion. But to find out that Cornette, they kind of challenged him because he, he did another, his podcast last week mm-hmm. um, went in depth on that meeting. Okay. What he said. So it's really good. And this week he has Meltzer on and they're talking about it. Uh, it j- just came out this morning. Okay. I, st- I started listening to it on the way over here, and uh-huh. they go- they're going back and talking about all of these hmm. double crosses that happened throughout history yeah. and how they're they've changed the rules of the NWA and stuff around these double crosses, and even told a story where Chris Candido met Luthez, and um, Thez didn't know who he was, but he was the NWA champion at the yeah. time. And uh, he had told him he was the NWA champion. He said, you be careful when you go around these territories and don't let yourself get in a situation where somebody can double cross you. Right. Because that's the way Thez thought. Wow. Wow. And that's why they used to put the title on guys like Thez and and Strangler Lewis and Briscoe. Those guys were the champ. Harley Race even, who wasn't a wrestler but could handle himself. Right. That's one reason that they picked those guys. To be the champion because they knew they could handle themselves. Right. If somebody tried to shoot on them. Yeah. And the idea that Shawn Michaels was, they knew they weren't going to do a small package. They knew they weren't going to do the cinch up on a small package because Bret Hart would have kicked out and beat beat Shawn Michaels after death. And they knew it. Yeah. You know, they knew they couldn't do that. Right. Um, And Bret Hart was too smart to let himself get put into a submission hold. Right. So they had to trick him into, you know, and how you get it. I still, listen. <laughs> me and Scott Hall may be the only two people on earth. Right. Oh, I still ain't sure that Brett wasn't in on it. Here's the, here's the thing. Uh, Brett had no way of knowing. Goldberg was going to kick his head off. No. It's very possible. I w- Do you remember the how long Brett's contract was at WCW? Two, three years? I'm going to say three years, but I don't know. I mean, it's very possible that uh, Brett goes, has a run with WCW, and comes back. It's all – everything was possible at that point, you know? 
Shawn Michaels lost to Steve Austin at WrestleMania. And it was, what, three or four years before he came back? Yeah. Bret Hart had a three or four-year contract. Shawn Michaels goes away, lets somebody else have a run. Bret Hart comes back. Shawn Michaels comes back. Boom, you off and running. And now there's been three or four years of talk about this thing. These guys are going to kill each other when they get in the ring. Or Bret Hart's going to kill Shawn Michaels. Right. I don't think anybody at the time right. before that or one day afterward ever one second thought Shawn Michaels was going to win in a shoot match. Yeah. Um, that would have been money. Yeah. But huge money. Dave. Going to build McMahon up as this bad guy? Right. I'm telling you. I don't care what none of them say. <laughs> I think one day Bret Hart's going to finally say, we got you. Right. Right. I'm hoping that he wrote a letter mm-hmm. and that it's like in a safe. Mm-hmm. And like the day after he dies. Yep. I've been instructed to read this letter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are a uh, big listener, long-time I'm listener sure. of the show. I'm sure he's all about he, it. Um, it's time to just record it. Like, record the video right. and, like, have that tape played, you know, whatever. I was wondering. I thought for a second, man, that they might reveal this on this show. Even Earl Hebner has come out and said he thinks Brett knows. Right. He said I, I've. He said it recently. He said, I think he knew what was going to happen. Because why would he let himself get in that situation? He was too smart to let him put him in the sharpshooter. But I, here, Okay. I agree with that. Brett's whole thing is being a hero in Canada. Uh huh. That finish ensured he would never not be yes. a hero in Canada. Yeah, man. I just. But he. I. But who? Okay. What if? What if it's this? What if even Vince, what if Brett's like, I know this is going to happen and I'm just going to let it happen. I'm not going to do anything to right. stop it. Right. That it wasn't like an agreement him and McMahon had. He just knew what was coming. He just knew this it, is going to happen. I mean, just all the, his face when it happened, mm-hmm. his facial expression. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a look of confusion. Right. Like, you would be like, yeah. when you tripped over my feet there for a yeah. second, yeah. there was a moment where I was like, man, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I, that's just our normal reaction. You know what I mean? Right. What are you right. kicking me for? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Why did you kick me, man? Yeah. Um, but there wasn't that on his face. It was just a, huh. Yeah. It's weird. And then they put the camera on him to write WCW. And they get the camera on him smashing all their equipment up. And they got the camera on him spitting on Vince McMahon. And then who won the Monday Night War? Yeah. And a camera crew happens to be there recording. Yeah. Backstage. They all made money. They've all made gobs of money off of it. I'm like, I'm one of the only people that holds out hope that it's not, that it's all, uh, that it's all the work. I get that. I know that people look at you and 
and kind of shake their head and say, this guy, you know, he's one of those <laughs> Montreal truthers. Right. But, but I am. Can we just say, uh, I think we tried to watch this at Wrestlecade or somewhere. There's a video out there, Montreal Theory. Oh, I have it on DVD. Right. It's just too much. It's like three or four hours. Of yeah, it is. It's exhausting. It's got some really good people on there. Uh-huh. But when you combine it all, it's just like, oh, my gosh. Just listen to this show and we'll yeah, tell you. It's you a little too much. But that was a good episode, man. It was just that revelation that the irony of it. And I'm sure it's true because I've never known Cornette to not be truthful about stuff. Right. I mean, I, and I could see that looks like a Jim Cornette screw job finish. Yeah. Okay. Uh so I feel like he is the guy who came up with that finish. And I just the irony of everything, <laughs> that being the thing where Brett was on TV saying this is all, just the expose <coughs> right. of the wrestling business that Cornette could have been responsible for after even he's talked even he talked about it. He's like, I've carried the guilt of this. Yeah. That I'm the guy that's always defending this stuff and I'm responsible for killing it. Um Russo on his podcast this week uh was talking of that says that viceland was just at his show uh-huh. doing an episode on the brawl for all and someone just mentioned oh yeah we're working on one about the montreal screwdriver he's like well how are you doing that without me i was there i was the head writer yeah and uh that they just had he wasn't scheduled to be on that episode right and uh they added him in and um I was under the impression that all of this was filmed years ago. I think it was filmed a year or two ago. I don't think it was years. Uh, okay. But I think it has been a while since they filmed this. Because I know, like, it just looks recent. Like, Eric Bischoff. Of course, I guess his podcast is a year old now. But he's wearing yeah. his uh, his podcast is now gone. It's 83 weeks, and the podcast has now gone on longer than the actual Monday Night War. Really? I don't, I don't know. It's got to be close. It's got to be close. Um, Let's see what episode they're on. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought I want to go watch the Macho Man one. And then what's the other one they're doing? I'll tell you, the Macho Man one was, uh, I mean, it was okay. It was about him and Elizabeth. We're right. Um, there was nothing, no huge revelations. Oh, gotcha. In that one. The biggest thing that come out of it was, um, was Hogan tweeting afterwards. And they're... They're dragging him in their responses, which was great. Oh, because they had Linda Hogan on the on the program, and yeah. they interviewed her, and he said something. I wish they'd told the whole story and got more than more than a couple of angles and this and that and the other. Yeah, and, uh, they responded. We asked you to be on the show, right? And you said no. Yeah, but I understand why he said no. Yeah. Um, he didn't want to wind up. He was trying to get back in WWE, and you don't want to. You know, anybody from that era remembers when Roddy Piper went on HBO and he had just gotten back, and they kind of they kind of cut around some stuff he said, yeah, and posted all the, you know, right. I don't remember exactly what he said, but the story's always been. It was like with Foley, you know. I think twenty twenty did a thing about backyard wrestling mm-hmm. and showed him some kids wrestling on trampoline, and they said, "What do you think about this?" And he's like, "I don't." really see anything wrong with that yeah and then when they aired the footage they showed the guys taking cheese graters and weed whackers to each other oh right and it was him saying i don't see what the problem is with that S- speaking of the guys shaking 
cheese graters and that's a good segue. Uh, I you like that. I found the other Vice Land where they were doing a, a show, an episode on the old CZW's Tournament of Death, and I think this was maybe a year or two ago, and it just reaffirmed to me that I don't like Deathmatch Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I don't like that stuff. I just. Uh, I got a lot of respect for anybody that'll put their body through that, but it ain't for me. I'm not knocking anybody who does it, because um, that takes some cojones to do some of that stuff. Yeah, I, I, and I. Uh, but it ain't for me. I don't like it. No. Um, one thing that I found from that episode is you have a guy, the owner of the company. I would say CZW is a nationwide brand. Uh, and he's they're living in his grandmother's house. Uh-huh. And he has a second mortgage on his grandmother's house to, su- to support this. And uh-huh. he's doing DVDs and he's... Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... All the marks are in the business now. Like, can you imagine if, like, Ole Anderson is booking Atlanta and Charlotte and he's living with his grandmother? Right, right. Ole Anderson was booking two different territories and making half a million dollars a year to do it. Right. And that's why he was booking two, so he could make extra money. Yeah, it's... (laughs) Can you... Like, I can't even wrap my head around that. It's like, bro, if you're having to... Okay, if you're living with your grandmother... To take care of her, or she needs you, mm-hmm. or you're helping out around the house. But if you got your grandma taking out second mortgages so your wrestling company can make <laughs> that ain't right. No. And he was t- he talked about, and you can see like all, all the work that mm-hmm. goes into that one day. And he's talking about, yeah, I'll, he's like, after this and this and this, I might not make anything. And I was like... Why do that? Right. I don't understand that, man. I mean, I've I get I've obviously I've obviously done that on a much smaller. Mm-hmm. There were not thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. There tens of dollars at stake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, I just can't. I can't wrap my head around that. And uh, um, and they literally buried him. I, I watched the one where they take him out. And he's on his parents' farm, and they literally bury him. And it's just like they show his wife, they show her reactions to all this. And it reminded me of Mick Foley's wife Mm -hmm. during Beyond the Mat. What's that guy's name again? Do you remember? DJ Hyde. That's right. That's right. And I guess he's booking there now. Sammy Callahan was the booker at CZW. Hmm. And uh, I guess he, DJ Hyde. I've just never watched CZW. I'm not a fan of that style of wrestling. Yeah, it's not. Um, It's not my thing. To me, ECW pushed that boundary, Mm -hmm. pushed that envelope, Mm -hmm. crossed it, crossed it a few times, few times, crossed that line a few times. But they didn't live across the line, which is what I think CZW. (sighs) No, I think that they. They they crossed the line and then they pull back a little bit. Yeah, and they, you know, like they were. Paul Heyman was smart, and the guys that were involved in it were pretty smart. Uh, not so smart that they didn't go out of business, but right. 
How quick? Uh, yeah. He also was living with his parents. To right. Find ECW. Ain't that crazy? Like we glamorize. <laughs> we think ECW was this greatest thing, and people wanted to come back, and he. Wasn't paying guys what he owed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ask Shane Douglas about him. Yeah. How much money he why well, he still owes Shane Douglas. Right, right. Hundreds right. of thousands of dollars. Yeah, and and yet I mean they talked about it at WrestleCade last year. They did the a forum and they were just talking about we were doing it for each other because we wanted to mm-hmm. put on this great show. And and what other job? Like if 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 the owner of the Braves, if the owner of Atlanta, Atlanta Braves uh-huh. showed up at the game tonight uh-huh. and said, guys, gate's a little light. Uh-huh. Not going to be able to pay you guys tonight. Yeah. They would file a grievance. Oh, they they yeah. would not play at all. Those guys file grievances over – yeah, you know, when they're offering them a hundred million, they'll file a grievance because they think they're worth one hundred and twenty. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, they definitely ain't playing if they're not getting paid. Uh, not many people that I know go to work if they're not getting paid. But other, but wrestling, they will like guys will drive yeah. and do crazy, and I, I, I mean, there's there's definitely you know. There's it's a there's a drug about it. I mean, oh lord, yeah. I mean, you've been there, and you, mm-hmm. you know what it's like to to get a reaction from a live mm-hmm. audience. I I don't know what that's like mm-hmm. in the, in the aspect of of wrestling. Uh, you know, I can I can only imagine. Um, but I mean, you hear all the guys that retire or get hurt. That's the one thing they miss. You know, yeah. There you go. Was the was your promoter living with his grandmother? No, he's living with his wife and his kids. You know. Living a normal life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you, I told you how it wound up. I think. So. Oh my! Uh, yeah, that's right. So. I'm still waiting to get our match at Pendleton. I know, man. I remember that weekend. That was. That'll never happen. I felt so bad. I was trying to call you. We, we uh, just, yeah. I drove by, I kept driving by the high school. Like, I think he's just messing with me. This mean guy. Because you didn't talk to me for a long time after that. And I felt like maybe you thought I was just messing with you about the whole thing. I still think you're messing with me. I still like, I'm, but I. it's been so long now, I applaud you on, you're like Bret Hart, man. You kept it kayfabe. <laughs> for, for you know, and my you might as well you know might as well, but I mean I, I don't know if I told you this. What finally told let me in that oh my gosh this really happened was I was talking to somebody completely unrelated, and they had the, I can't remember the dude's last name, but I said oh are you related to this guy? I was like, oh no that guy stabbed his wife. I'm like oh gosh Mark <laughs> was telling the truth. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, maybe one day. Who knows? Who knows? I don't. I mean, we'll have us a little run or not. I feel like we're having one right now. This is a pretty good run. Five plus years of podcasting. Yeah, man. The number one podcast in Oconee County in the two nine six nine three. Yeah. 
on this section of Highway 24. Mm-hmm. Um, we got listeners worldwide. We got patrons. We got sponsors. SOSCustomTees.com. We got T-shirts. Get them at SOSCustomTees.com. We got a network. I got to get you back on your network show one night only. Fans have been I asking. Know, I know, man. Fans have been asking. Do, man. It's not easy to do. Yeah. Well, I don't go. To, I don't get invited to go anywhere. Listen, you're invited every weekend. I'm going some. I'm actually cutting back. I'm. I'm, need, I'm cutting back on my. You need to travel. Good. Uh, but some some good things happening. Some exciting things. Uh, some exciting opportunities. So hey. Thanks for listening to the Double Drop Kick Show. Well, what if I'm not done talking about stuff? You just wrapping up? Yeah. What you want to talk about? Nothing. I'm done. <laughs> you know how I know you were done? Because I said you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was my opinion that you were done. <laughs> to me. <laughs> to to me, me. It was time to, to wrap me, up. you were done. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, Hey, thanks, man. It's been a good day. Hey, Ryan, I agree. We had a good, have had some good laughs. Yeah, our friend Kerry said, and I think he's right uh, on Twitter the other week that this is not a podcast about wrestling. No, and it's I think it hasn't been in a long time. No, you know that what it really is is a it's a friendship podcast about two guys who are completely different. No, yeah, who spent who spent our Wednesdays in completely different ways. Yes. And, you know. Yeah. We get together because we do like this one thing. Right. And it brings us together. And I, I like it. Like today, just I feel like we covered a variety of topics. Didn't have uh-huh. any pressure. We got a great lunch. Uh, we, we're still working on our setup here. Our patrons are watching the video of this recording session. And uh, I look like Abdul the Butcher sitting in the chair. <laughs> you know, on the camera, we look the same height. I love it. It's because I'm sunk down a little bit, I think. Yeah. That's what it, yeah. Just this blob of humanity right through here. Yeah, we're still working on it, man. We'll get, this, we'll get this place. See, last time we shot against the wall, and see, we've got, I've got, like, my autographs and stuff, and it's a gl- there's a glare. a glare on everything. And, like, the, you can see the camera. So, from this angle... Um, which now Mark is situating himself out of the camera frame. No, I'm not. I'm I see you now. I see you now. We got to figure out. You've been rocking this table all day. Okay. I like to prop on something, but I feel like this is. Yeah, this was like. This is not propable. No, it's not. Not proper or probable. Probable. Hey, I don't know when you're listening to this. One of I, these shelves, by the way, not like the others. No, I thought you like that. I did that on purpose. I want, I specifically did, uh, yeah, Four Horsemen and then all the AEW people over there. Hogan Sting and Magnum. Yeah. I got, what did I do with my Fredo? I had Fredo Corleone. Like, just the fact that it doesn't surprise me you would have a Fredo Corleone. Well, everybody's going to get, well, it was $5. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I They had the Michael and the Sonny. I haven't seen Vito. Due to my boy. I'd like to have a Vito, yeah. My boy. Do they have Vito on there? Yeah, he's holding a cat. Oh, yeah. What what movie was it when, uh, was it the first Cannonball Run? There was one, there was one of those movies where Dom DeLuise is, this cat is dead. Give me a new cat. <laughs> that sounds like, uh, he did a, he did a, spoof 
It was. Uh, I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was a. Well, all their movies are pretty much. Tom DeLuise is always. I mean, I don't know that he's ever I, been in a movie. I want to say. Like, I really want to say it was. Uh, it may have been Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run. Cannonball. The Godfather. What a great movie. Yeah. In, you, in my opinion. Have you heard? A, <laughs> I have you, think it's a great There's movie. a new podcast called Blockbuster. That's about the relationship between Spielberg, Lucas, Scorsese, mm -hmm. Coppola. Uh, Let's check that out. Yeah, it's great. They're on the third episode. Like the first one was on their friendship. The second one was uh, the starting of Jaws, and the third one was on uh, the disaster, and then how the music, how they changed everything. But it's mm -hmm. but it's it's like dramatized. So it's like they're acting out. The conversations. It's not just like you got a narrator, and then you'll hear Steven Spielberg and John Williams have a conversation on the phone, and uh, it's really well done. Not like this podcast. We, what if we narrated this podcast? How would we do that? <laughs> I think we should. Mark would. Mark, as usual, would. Think about where they would go to lunch. Hey, where should we go to lunch today? Heath would respond. Well, I don't know, Mark. Where do you want to go? <laughs> Once they got there, Mark Mark would tell Heath that one day he was going to pay for lunch. <laughs> but he wouldn't pay for lunch. <laughs> Heath said, this is going to be the best lunch ever. He would be wrong. <laughs> yeah, this would, would not be the yeah. Mark would have to dookie immediately after eating. <laughs> <laughs> Mark would tell Heath to manage his expectations. <laughs> this was something Heath was not capable of. <laughs> oh man, hey, it's man, we it's just fun, man, hanging out with my good friend and uh everybody that's listening, you're just along for the ride. So just let's make let's not make any bones about it. We just hit record and go and yeah. that's where we're at in life and I'm, I'm honored people listen to this. I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun. And I hope all the fans are having fun. But can I wrap it up now? I wish you would. <laughs> uh, but he wouldn't wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> he would prattle on for five more minutes about how people need to go check out SOS Custom Tees, the SOS Custom Network. As always. And then Mark would mock him. Heath did not like the mocking. <laughs> the, you know, the Heath part was laughing on the outside. The part, the part I was thinking about today, the, the episode was when you just tore into me, and like at some point I when? just wrote you a note. When? Which episode? <laughs> when did that happen? It's all I the odd ever? episodes. Let's see, we're on two fifty six. That'd have been two five nine seven. Uh, <laughs> And I just wrote you a note, and you just you just died laughing because yeah. I was like, dun, 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 I wrote the note, and I but I was trying to think. I'm like, okay, he was ripping me a new one, and I deserved it. I'm like, I don't think I've done anything that stupid or obnoxious <laughs> in a while. I'm like, pretty good. I'm on a pretty good streak. I love that you think you deserve it. When I, I know sometimes I do. Well, we all do. Deserves got nothing to do with it. He did deserve it. <laughs> all right, as always, I'm. But oh. and then one more thing. <laughs> One of my favorite lines ever, right? That we t we said again at lunch today was the other week when you said <laughs> when you said um, 
Well, I'm sorry I didn't get to buy your lunch last right. week or something. Yeah. I forget how it started. No, you said yeah. And I said, Well, that's all right. You didn't get you didn't get to buy my lunch last week, but you didn't get to buy it this week, so we're eating. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. That to me is the essence. Yeah. Of this <laughs> podcast. You paying for everything. <laughs> well, to be fair. Well, you better. I'm not going to record me saying this. <laughs> to be fair, that's a shoot for the Double Drop Kick Show. I'm Heath Mulligan. And I'm Mark Whitman. And that's it this week, fans. So long for now.